Hello, everybody. My name is Daniel Prince, and I am the host of the Once Bitten podcast. This is a podcast focused on Bitcoin. It's my mission to interview as many people as I can around the different aspects of Bitcoin and help people understand exactly what Bitcoin could mean for them and for their families and for their future. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you so much for listening. Hey guys, welcome to this edition of the Once Bitten podcast. Joining me on this episode is Seed Oil Scout. I'm sure many of you Bitcoiners out there are already following Seed Oil Scout on Twitter. He's dropping, he has been dropping some some truth bombs on there about seed oils, and has be built the Seed Oil uh, Scout map where people can upload their favorite restaurants that are seed oil free around the world. It's great to have him on and talk about all of this and talk about uh, what he does uh, during the day, how Bitcoin has affected his thinking as well. And uh, this is kind of a continuation of the work that um, has been going on out there with with food education. We've got modern tea man, Texas Slim, doing his thing. We've got uh, really tan man doing, uh, doing his work as well, trying to educate as many people as possible about uh, the seed oils and... Um, yeah, the, the huge agricultural complex that we are facing and the, the evils behind it as well. It's all being exposed and it, of course, seems to be the Bitcoiners are picking up on the message as a signal and then taking that and driving that forward too. So I always enjoy these kinds of interviews. Please push anyone my way that you think um, also can, uh, can share this message and, and help us all understand what we're up against. So before we get into the episode, make sure you are showing support to the show sponsors and stacking your sats. But more importantly, for those people that are following us down the rabbit hole, make sure they're being pointed in the right direction. If you guys are using any of these services already, make sure you have an affiliate link or code set up so you can offer those new people a little bit of discount. And what you'll find as well is people such as Relay or Swan, they then give you a little kickback out of their own uh, profit when people are stacking via their services. So Swan Bitcoin in the US have you covered. So do Relay, R-E-L-A-I C-H in Europe and the UK. If you've got like a Revolut account, for example, UK residents can also use Relay as well. Both of these companies, you can set up auto buys or dollar cost, euro cost averages. Both of these companies have white glove service. Both of these companies are very focused on education and they can onboard private clients and they can onboard businesses too. The full suite is there. Great work from both. Out of the UK, based on the Isle of Man, where they have turned that island orange, our coin corner. And that's Danny Scott and his team over there. Oh, they've been on the, the podcast numerous times. You can just go back and, and search for interviews and learn more about Coin Corner. But they have merchant accounts. They have uh, personal accounts. You can withdraw via Lightning. And of course, they're very focused on education and expanding as well. Hoping to orange pill the Middle East going into uh, the second half of this year. Hoddle Hoddle have you covered for KYC free sats. That's not your customer free. You don't have to sign up in the usual way with your... All of your documentation, just create an account with HODL HODL and start stacking. Find your trading partners, global peer-to-peer -peer lending and trading 
platform. And of course, they are behind the Baltic Honey Badger. First to the 3rd of September. It's going to be in Riga in Latvia. Get your tickets. Use code BITTEN for a 10% discount. And once you have these sats, you've got to get them off the exchanges because if they're not on the exchange, if they're ill on the exchanges, they're not your coins. First way you could do that is download wasabiwallet.io. That is a coin join service, and you can pull the sats off, and they will coin join and then break that connection to the app or exchange that you would have created pulling those off in the first place. Then go to cold storage. That is Bitbox O2 Bitcoin Hardware Wallet. It's uh, brought to you by the Bitbox team, bitbox.swiss forward slash bitten, and using the code bitten will get you 5% discount. This is the final step, making sure you have your keys. And uh, yeah, the Bitbox is uh, a great piece of kit for that. Mempool.space is where you can go and track your transactions, find out where your Satoshis are living on the blockchain, up your education, learn more about what's going on in the blockchain, watch the blocks come in one by one. It's, uh, it's, it's a fun tool to show newbies and friends and family as well. Orange Pill App is where you want to be meeting other stackers, other friends, stacks, stack friends who stack sats. That's what uh, you are going to want to do. To, uh, to up your game and up your network as well. And then finally, uh, the conference Liberty in Our Lifetime, brought to you by Free Cities Foundation, is in the middle of October in Prague, and you can use code BITTEN to get 10% discount. Get along to that Parallel Structures-themed conference. I look forward to seeing you guys there. And enjoy this app with Seed Oil Scout. Seed Oil Scout, how are you, brother? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on, Daniel. Thank you for um, for reaching out. Thank you for what you're doing. Uh, let's um, let's start the conversation with uh, with Lauren, and she's going to ask you uh, the first question here. Cool. So, I'm. I think I. I'm pretty sure I know what seedoils are, and I think I've already asked this question to someone. But um, what are seedoils? Yeah. Um, so the, the way I've found easiest to explain it is a seed oil is essentially uh, any oil that doesn't come from a fruit or an animal. Um, I think that's a bit easier to picture than thinking of all the different seeds and what may be a seed and what may not be a seed. Um, so in that framework, an olive is a fruit, an avocado is a fruit, coconuts are fruit, uh, palm is a fruit. So a seed oil is essentially oil that comes from things that aren't don't seem particularly oily. You have, um, you know, sunflower seeds, right? Like you, if you run your hand through sunflower seeds, they're, they're dry. Um, you know, same with even like peanut oil, right? They're a little bit more oily. Um, and because of that, you know, they're actually easier to get oil out of. But most, so most seed oils come from things like soybean seeds or um, canola seeds, which are, you know, um, some other type of seed or grape seeds, right? So seeds are bitter, they're hard. Um, and therefore to get oil out of them, you have to do a bunch of nasty, hardcore, like chemical processes, whereas fruits and, um, <clears throat> animal fats like butter are kind of ready to eat already. Um, which means you have to do, put less chemicals in them and, you know, heat them up less and do less things that are kind of unnatural to them. And also it's just, it's more, you know, we've been eating them forever Whereas we've only been eating seed oils as a, as a, you know, human race for about a hundred years or so. Um, so 
our bodies don't really know what to do with seed oils is kind of part of the issue. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That that makes a lot more sense now. And the problem is, Lauren, when um, they're so prevalent, like in all of the restaurants, they're using seed oils to to cook our food, uh, which is what Seed Oil Scout is trying to um, expose. You can't really avoid seed oils because seed oils are, seed oils are in everything. Right. Uh, yeah. And they're, you know, to add it, they're invisible, right? <laughs> um, they're tasteless, right? It's kind of, they, they've basically all, you know, a lot of these seeds are, would be very bitter, um, especially like grape seeds. If you've ever eaten a pitted grape, like if you chomp on the seed, it's bitter, right? So the oil would would naturally be very bitter as well, but they've kind of stripped all organic compounds out of these oils. Um, and yeah, so every single restaurant, I mean, the US and the UK are, are pretty bad. Um, France obviously is a little bit better um, just because they have such like a strong culinary tradition. Um, but in the United States, about 20% of all calories, total calories um, that an average American will eat in a year will come from soybean oil, which is crazy. <laughs> you know, you would never think that. And that's that's absolutely not how anyone's metabolism was intended to operate. And it's very easy. The, the core, you know, there's a, there's a whole bunch of things wrong with, with seed oils, but uh, one of the easiest ways to think about it is that like, we're not adapted to get full when we eat them. Like our bodies don't really aren't at a, they don't, we don't, if you eat like a, an ounce of butter, your body has all these signaling pathways to tell you like, okay, you just ate a bunch of calories, like relax. Right. But if you eat a basket of French fries, fried in soybean oil, um, your body doesn't hit the brakes really like that. If they just, they taste oily, but like you don't get the sensation of being full. Um, so it's very easy to just keep eating <laughs> uh, at all these restaurants and the restaurants just, you know, in a fiat world, as you were saying, the restaurants have every incentive to <laughs> uh, keep, keep, keep that, you know, that's good for the restaurants. Right. <laughs> mm -hmm. And, and of course the, uh, the price of the, the, the seed oil is so much cheaper the the way I understand it, the, you know, the incentive there to, um, maximize your your margins as a restaurant that's just trying to stay alive on the street oh wait remember that um that that place that we went for fish and chips yeah in the uk we found a place that had fish and chips that was very proud it was on their chalkboard outside that said we cook everything in uh in beef tallow so we could oh, not nice. walk past remember? that place <laughs> Do you remember what it was? I, I'll put it on the map. <laughs> if um, you do, you can send it to me later. Send it to me later. Yeah, it was in Southwold in the UK. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll find it. I'll find it, and I'll um. Yeah, I'm yeah. trying to. We got. We have a fair amount of users in the UK, and they're always they're always asking me to. You know, everyone everyone always asks me like personally because I run all the social media to to you know. Oh, can you come to can you come to the UK or come to my town in Iowa? And it's like. Uh, listen, how do you think all the other reports on the map got there? You gotta, you gotta, you gotta go, go scout. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I do like to add stuff to the, the map if I can. Okay. All right, Lauren, any further questions about um, seed oils that you want cleared up? Mm, nope. I think it's all good. <laughs> We've covered it okay. all. All right, all right, cool. Well then, uh, thank you very much for your questions as always. Yep. Thank you, thank Lauren. Thank you. Bye. See Bye -bye. you. <laughs> right. Uh, okay. Oh, loads to unpack here. Um, 
First of all, let's let everybody know uh, a little bit about yourself, whatever you're willing to share. Uh, like, um, I know we're anonymous on on this call, and uh, you're anonymous on Twitter. Uh, there's obviously a reason for that. Um, just just a, whatever you're willing to share with the listeners to um, so they know who they're kind of listening to and your your mission here. Yeah, for sure. So um, I'm based in New York City. I've been building um, large mobile apps at tech companies for about six or seven years. Um, I have lived in the city for about eight years. Um, you know, I've I, I always enjoyed going out to restaurants. It's kind of one of the, you know, one of, if you're going to live in New York City, there, there's a lot of downsides. But I'd say one of the, the, the strong upsides is the vibrant like restaurant scene, right? Um, so I, I guess, um, during COVID, you know, they shut all that down. It was the first time everyone in New York had to kind of stay home and cook for themselves, you know, maybe in, in decades. Right. <laughs> um, and, you know, I was listening to a lot of podcasts and throughout that, uh, uh, that sort of time I got turned on to the whole seed oil, um, kind of the issues behind seed oils and why I should avoid them. Uh, largely through a variety of different podcasts and some of them in the crypto space. Um, and then, so restaurants reopen uh, and I find myself not wanting to eat at, at really any of them, <laughs> um, you know, no matter how exciting they may seem uh, I'm just kind of grossed out. Right. Um, so, you know, at that point I just kind of, you know, I, I was talking to my friends about it. I have some friends who are like food bloggers who actually also are skeptical about seed oils and stuff, but they just kind of have given up and, um, just being, having built some mobile apps in the past, uh, it kind of just occurred to me that it wouldn't be, wouldn't be all that. It's not impossible for us to just kind of all speak to our servers and write down <laughs> the results. Right. So we could at least get a feel for what restaurants, you know, care about this because each restaurant kitchen is kind of a black box and restaurants are, you know, a lot, especially in a city like New York, a lot of them are independent and they, they each, you know, have a different story of why they're there. Right. So you want to find the ones where the story is like, um, the owner is super passionate about authentic Tuscan food, as opposed to the story like, you know, some mega conglomerate of corporate and, you know, amalgamation corporate entity opened up like their, you know, 15th branded chain that they're just trying to like, they're just looking at the bottom line, right? Trying to just churn cash out of it. So C-Dwell Scout basically helps you, you know, find those diamonds in the rough at every city, uh, mostly in America, but uh, we're pretty much... The, the app is pretty much available um, worldwide. I, I've been, I, I've, you know, if if you want your country enabled and it's not enabled, just DM me. Right. Okay. So, what um, what is the worst here, uh, or are they all <laughs> as bad as each other? Have Have you gone that down and dirty and geeky on it? Yeah, totally. I mean, if I don't, who who is? Um. So, the the. I I've, I was going to make a little infographic about this because it's a good it's a good question and it's a good thing for people to understand. Um, so the two things that make seed oil uh, that would make one seed oil worse than another, or I'll say three things. Um, so it'd be how long it was heated for, right? So seed oils that are in deep fryers are are like way more toxic, and we've pretty much proven that out. Um, they develop as they're but and and that's because okay. So how long they've been heated for? is a problem because seed oils are composed of polyunsaturated fats, right? So you can think of these three kinds of fats, um, saturated fats. Those are the ones that are like solid at room temperature, like butter and coconut oil and beef tallow. 
Um, then there's monounsaturated fats, which are usually what you consider like the healthier liquid fats, like olive oil, avocado oil, um, certain like maybe like macadamia nut oil, stuff, stuff like that. Um, and then you have polyunsaturated fats, right? So uh, ke chemically, that means they have less hydrogens among along their carbon chains of the fatty acids. But what that amounts to essentially is that that those molecules are very fragile um, to heat, right? So you've got these super fr fragile fats um, that we've never really eaten before. And what we generally do is we let them sit in deep fryers for potentially days on end. In the U.S., there's no regulation even for, you know, how often you have to change your fryer oil, right? So as those are bubbling, uh, they produce these toxic compounds um, called aldehydes. There's one specific aldehyde that's initialized as HNE that has been proven to be obesogenic and cause inflammation. Um, so, all right. So summing that up, you want... If you're going to eat a seed oil, <laughs> you'd want to have lower a lower amount of polyunsaturated fat, and you'd want it to be like heated as little as possible. The problem is they're heated; they're superheated. The oh God, sorry, Siri. Um, <laughs> um, they're uh, threw me off. So they're um, yeah, you want it to be heated as little as possible. But unfortunately, that you know they're superheated in the factory to remove all the organic flavor compounds and stuff. And the third thing that you would ideally want is for them to be unrefined. So um, take like sesame oil, right? Like sesame oil has a color and a flavor. That's in that case, it's, it's cold pressed. Um, and it retains some of the antioxidant molecules and the anti, what antioxidants do in a natural oil is under heat, they prevent the breakdown of those polyunsaturated fats. So that makes it a bit healthier. So to answer your question, the worst thing would be like safflower oil, which is like 70% polyunsaturated fat in a deep fryer for like three days. <laughs> um, better than that would be like high oleic sunflower oil, which is 30% polyunsaturated fat. They achieve the high oleic. So linoleic is polyunsaturated fat. Oleic acid is monounsaturated fat. And that's more like you could think of olive oil. They achieve that just by breeding or genetically modifying the seeds to have a higher um, oleic acid content. And uh, you'd prefer to eat that bubbling in a deep fryer. It would be a bit more stable. Um, and then I'd say from there, like, you know, the high oleic in a mayo would be a little better because it's not, hasn't been bubbling at 400 degrees for, you know, three days. And then the, the best seed oils you can eat gun to your head are uh, unrefined, I would say unrefined peanut and sesame because they retain like their vitamin E and other antioxidant molecules. <laughs> so there's your, uh, your pyramid of pain. But I mean, so, you know, 90% or the vast majority of the seed oils in American restaurants are going to be soybean or canola oil, um, which are like somewhere in the 50% uh, polyunsaturated fat ratio. Uh, and they're going to be heated, right? <laughs> they're going to be there, you know, Americans love fried food and they're used to saute and all sorts of stuff like that. So that's kind of my, you know, there's evidence that they, they oxidize in the body anyway, but that's kind of my rundown <laughs> on uh, what's, what's worse. So I'd say really, it's really like the deep fryer is something you got to kind of get in your head is, is bad news. <laughs> and that, that refining process as well, right? I've seen, it might've been you or somebody else's account that, uh, there's a short video showing you how they, <laughs> uh, it, what, can you talk us through that? 
Yes. So that video, I think, is the, the notorious how it's made canola oil video that shows yeah. like the like dark sludge the moving around the factory. Um, so the issue is the first step in pretty much any seed oil extraction process. Um, it doesn't like it doesn't matter if it's organic or high oleic or non-GMO. The first step is always going to be a pressurized hexane wash to remove a lot of the organic solvents and separate the oil from the seed. Um, the issue here, right, like you can take for olives, you know, uh, cold pressed extra virgin olive oil. You're, you're essentially just crushing, you're throwing olives into a centrifuge and it's like uh, with gravity or with, sorry, with centrifugal force, like it's just su sucking the oil out of the, the pulp, the fruit. So it's a cold process, right? There's no solvents. There's no, it's just, it's just pressure essentially, right? Um, but with seed oils, right? If you picture just like a bushel of sunflower seeds, like you're going to have to do some work to get oil out of those. Um, so you need solvents and then from there, right? So the solvents are generally hexane, hexane's neurotoxic. And um, like the FDA doesn't enforce or regularly test the, um, you know, the concentration of hexane coming out of these seed oil factories, right? So, you know, the, there have been up to like 50 parts per million of hexane detected in some of these seed oils. So you just don't want hexane going anywhere near anything you eat. It's, it's a bit crazy to <laughs> have like be introducing hexane into like the primary calorie source of our food supply um or a primary calorie source for our food supply um so yeah that's one step the other key step i mean there's there's so many steps that they're hard to keep track of but the, the two that are i i would um say are most harmful are the hexane the pressurized hexane wash at the beginning um they're, they're, they they do some kind of bleaching with uh like acids which is you know bad but then they, they do a step called deodorization uh Deodorization is like I was saying to essentially move any like remove any bitter flavoring from these oils. Um, it, essentially, what they're doing, right? Like when you're, like the 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 oil in a sunflower seed has vitamin E in it, um, and it has all these like flavor compounds and stuff, right? And they're trying to make the oil like totally neutral. Same with soybean oil, right? Like soybean oil is completely flavorless by the time it makes it to the restaurant. But if you were to just like cold press soybeans or or even just do like the hexane wash step, it would have this like soybean flavor, which they're trying to get rid of. So deodorization is they have to superheat it um, up to like north of 500 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, I'm not sure what that is Celsius, but uh, it's, you know, th that alone, obviously, like we said, these, these fat molecules are super fragile. So that just causes like breakdown in a lot of these fat molecules, which are going to be um, in the, you know, like I said, these toxic aldehydes, but also trans fats, and just like general free radicals and inflammation causing compounds. So yeah, it's a mess. It's like, I, I should do a post about like the full, <laughs> the full number of steps that have to, it, I mean, it's truly like, you know, a, a seed oil plant looks like an oil refinery with all like the, you know, pipes and nozzles and silos. It's, it's, it, it's literally an oil refinery, right? So it's like, it's a highly industrialized process that is just, so far into anything you would consider food in the past, like, you know, prior to say like the year 1940 or so, right? Like seed oils were invented in like 1850-ish, but they they were, they didn't really come to the fore until like after World War II. And yeah, I mean, that was my question. And why? I mean, how did we get here? <laughs> how did we get here? It's funny because I, I just like, 
I just put together a post. I, it's on Instagram and I, I'm making a vi- I made a video about it. Uh, and I, I, yeah, that's the phrase I use. How did we get here? Mm-hmm. Um, so running through the the infographic I made, which I think is a, is a very, like, it, it is kind of like one long narrative that sort of starts at World War II. And it's interesting because like most of the, most of the uh, bastardizations of the food system in America and Europe um, all start with total war, right? Like you have a nation with its back against the wall who has to tell its scientists like, hey, we need to figure out how to feed this army and our people much cheaper or we're going to die, right? And then the scientists figure it out, right? Um, which is, which, you know, sounds awesome. It, it might save the country, right? Uh, in our case, that was basically planting tons and tons of soybeans uh, during World War II, right? And uh, subsidizing the the soybean crops as well as corn. Um, That essentially created this like strong, uh, overwhelming supply of soybeans in the United States, right? So from there, um, we we have too many soybeans and we're, you know, trying to figure out all these clever things to do with them. And politically, it just became very unpopular to remove those subsidies. Um, So, Again, innovation, you know, innovation strikes. We have, um, they, you know, soybean. Well, okay, it kind of starts with uh, hydrogenated oils like margarine and stuff, which means they're adding hydrogen atoms to kind of like artificially saturate the soybean oil. So that ends up being, um, so yeah, that's that ends up creating trans fats, which we eventually figure out are super bad for us, right? So I, I, I would trace the steps as basically soybean subsidies, then. The boom after the uh, after World War II, the baby boom, 1950s, right? Uh, everyone is like having more kids and it's like this kind of Jetsons era. So processed foods, like a new thing that everyone's basically really excited about. Um, and to make processed foods and to make them shelf stable, right? Like the, the, the best the seed oils and like these hydrogenated margarine type oils are great, right? Um, so then I'd say, the next major event is the 1970s when um, Ansel Keys, who maybe you've heard of, is the, was the scientist who kind of cherry picked all this data to prove that like um, saturated fat diets, uh, diets high in saturated fat cause heart disease. Right. So there's this massive cholesterol backlash and scare in the 1970s. Um, it's kind of like a, you know, it's a world or a nationwide campaign against like um, saturated fats and lowering cholesterol. And that kind of the shockwave from that kind of carries on all the way through basically like today. I mean, it's, it's still like mainstream doctors still have a hard time acknowledging that, you know, cholesterol is not the only thing, uh, that causes heart disease. I mean, you take a nation, uh, France has the highest cholesterol in its population and the lowest rates of cardiovascular disease in Europe. Um, so clearly something else is at work, right? So I'd say the next big thing, next trend is the 1980s, um, the low fat diet craze, right? So uh, the basically everyone just gets this idea that fat in your diet is what causes um, obesity. So that just, again, leads to more processed food. Um, and like the, the, they're, while, you know, they're minimizing fat, they're, the fats that they are using are polyunsaturated soybean oil and all these like Weight Watchers type packaged foods. Um, and then from there, I'd say like in the 2000s, this like environmental movement, right? And the, the plant-based food movement, um, all of these like, you know, like uh, meat substitutes and stuff, just use a ton of soybean oil and stuff like that. Um, and so 
for you know with that like you've got the normalization of all like e even further entrenchment of all these processed foods um and you kind of that just kind of spins into today um the fda at some point along the way declared like soybean oil like heart healthy um because <laughs> it, again because it lowers cholesterol right? right so if your target is to lower cholesterol and you don't care about like health outcomes then it is it would in theory, it does that right if you if you swap all the butter in your diet for uh soybean oil your cholesterol will go down but there are some like rigorous studies that show you'll you'll die more of heart disease still <laughs> um so yeah that's that's kind of the path um and i think the other thing is just like that can like why it's so entrenched in restaurants for example is just like the convenience and the supply chain of, and how cheap it is right uh being able to move it around and it's i mean it's it is cheap because of the subsidies but it's it, i think it would still be cheaper just because it's like so easy to manufacture at scale um but you know, at a restaurant, if you want to run a tallow fryer, right, like you've got to get solid, the tallow is more expensive, you've got to get solid, solid blocks of tallow, if you need to clean the fryer, like the tallow will solidify, stuff like that, uh, compared to soybean oil, which in the United States is delivered um, externally to your restaurant via a hose from like a truck that comes once a month, right, and they suck out the old oil, so you never have to look at it. So the supply chain just kind of developed around it. And now it's like extremely entrenched, which makes it much cheaper and, you know, much less labor intensive. So that's a brief overview, uh, I guess. Damn, 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 damn. Yeah, I, I remember when um, I was first turned on to this uh, kind of subject, probably with Texas Slim, maybe a little bit earlier, I can't remember, but he wrote a blog post called The Harvest of Deception. And he was going out on harvest and just seeing, you know, what has become of farming especially in the u.s where he was doing it uh over on in in texas um and he i think he brought up the fda banned uh canola oil that's what you guys call it right i think yeah yeah we, yeah. we call it rape we call it oilseed rape over here <laughs> yeah i mean that is the, the the real name i forget exactly where it came from it has something to do with canada canada oil but yeah it was a it was a rebranding from from rapeseed which was not a not 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 the best marketing name <laughs> it's just so much fuckery going on do you, do you believe <laughs> anything that the fda put out now because it's just been they've been proved wrong time and time and time again to the point where you know the guy with the tin foil hat sitting in the corner is going to shout they're doing this on purpose you idiots yeah i mean i think you know, we we have come some way from the days of like the Upton Sinclair of the jungle, right? Like uh, things are a little bit, it, it, I guess like th they, they've gotten acute safety issues under wraps, right? Like, and that's really all they care about, right? Like uh, you're not going to eat anything that's going to poison you and kill you like like that week, <laughs> right? Um, and we, <laughs> we I think, right, exactly. So we used to, I mean, there used to be, you know, issues like they, you know, they'd have like lead and food and all sorts of crap, right? Or I don't know. It, it used to, it did used to be like worse, but then the problem is we got so good at making these like palatable processed foods that, yeah, like don't essentially kill you, right? Like immediately they're like a sort of human dog foods in, in different fun like shapes and colors and sizes, right? Um, but no, I mean, like, yeah, the FDA is, you know, it's an overburdened organization. The, that to, to introduce a new ingredient to like a food, there's this thing called grass, like 
generally recognized as safe and you, you it's like a very like hands-off process right like you you can kind of sell anything and the it the 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 level of like testing and safety that you'd you'd hope you'd expect around things is is just not 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 what you would like it's not what people think it is especially in the united states and um additionally uh what was i gonna say that they um they yeah they're they're like health frameworks are they're very old school they're they're not adapted to change like with new data right like it'll they'll never you know come out and say that soybean oil is like not heart healthy right like the, the, you know they figure that out from like this cholesterol data in the 70s and that's just going to be the party line on the in the fda forever um i should do more research as to how the organization's actually structured and run but no they're you definitely mm. cannot trust them with your that will be a like, rabbit hole my friend well-being <laughs> yeah i'm sure it's really uh opaque and boring but yeah <laughs> oh no i think you'll uncover a lot of stuff that you probably not want to uncover um yeah but you're right like um they're, they're never gonna denounce soybean oil and it, because the lobbies behind are far too powerful not only do right. you have the, the 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 lobby for soybean or corn or whatever else, uh, you also have the lobby from the American Heart Foundation or Association, whatever it's called over there, or the um, American Cancer Society, which right. all have very, very large interests in people remaining sick yeah. and um, or getting sick via these toxic poisonous oils that we are consuming. And now, have you looked into like a, a list of uh, problems? Uh, obviously, obesity one, but so many people, there are so many allergies now connected to food, um, which could range from anything from celiac to uh, gluten intolerance, lactose intolerance, um, you know, you name it. There, there are so many different things now, nut allergies. Does this stem, are, are we just completely destroying our gut fauna with with these toxic oils do you think and and all of it is linked in some way yeah i mean there's no question that like our bodies are completely unprepared for what the the havoc that seed oils are are bringing upon them right um you know they these like consuming large quantities of these oxidized compounds causes issues all over the body um i mean there there's been studies that show um that it causes issues like in the eyes, um, leading to like certain, you know, degenerative, uh, vision conditions, but also just like stuff like skin cancer or anything where you're, you just have this like anomalous, unexplained behavior, um, health, health outcome that seems new, uh, you know, like, like these, a lot of these health problems have kind of like, you're saying these allergies and stuff have been spiking since like around like 1980, 1990. Um, and there's a couple other, like, you know, health or like societal things that were introduced around then, but like seed oils is definitely one of the the top culprits um, I, to kind of put this in perspective for people. This kind of helped me understand things a lot. So like um, if you, if you look throughout st studies from the 1940s that kind of tracked human body fat composition, right? Like you can measure uh, in a human's body fat, like what percentage of um, each kind of fat is in their fat tissue. 
right? And around like 1940, people were around four to 5% polyunsaturated fat or seed oils, which is a, the, the amount of polyunsaturated fat that kind of like occurs in nature. If you eat like butter and stuff, like there's a little polyunsaturated fat in the butter, right? Um, but today everyone's literal body fat is 20% <laughs> polyunsaturated fat. Uh, which means like we're literally, our bodies are literally like softer because it's a softer fat. Um, but because of that, like that just has all these like metabolic, your, your fat cells are to structured totally differently in a way that they never have been structured through all, all out human history. And that has all these metabolic consequences. Right. And like metabolic disorders, um, have all kinds of downstream effects that can to, to certain people or to like medicine, Medicine will give you like a diagnosis for something specific, right? But in reality, it's probably, it's often stemming from like a metabolic disorder um, because like your ability to handle glucose and kind of digest food is just key to your body functioning properly. So like, yes, there's this like plethora of diseases um, that kind of sprout out of this root of like what we would call like metabolic dysfunction. And, you know, modern medicine is kind of scratching its head as to what could possibly, uh, they're all clueless as to what could possibly be causing all this metabolic disorder and diabetes, right? Like I think 40% of Americans obese are obese. And I think mm -hmm. something along the lines of like, um, 38% of Americans are pre-diabetic, 11% are diabetic, right? Like, um, that's just massive metabolic dysfunction and, um, you know, sugar, it's not like we, we've not been eating steadily more sugar, right? So like something else is, <laughs> is going on here. Um, and yeah, I, I think like seed oils are, probably the biggest cult, uh, like suspect. And like, while people say that there's a, a modern mainstream doctor might say there's not ample, like hard evidence, that's mainly just because it's really difficult to do randomized control trials on diet. But there are studies that have pit pitted seed oils head to head with, um, saturated fats and stuff. And like the, the main thing that I think also confounds the danger there is like, most of these studies are isocaloric, which means it's like they give you hundred calories of butter or hundred calories of seed oils. But the issue is that you can consume, like it's easy to consume 300 calories of seed oils, which is <laughs> I think where all this metabolic dysfunction is coming from and where, where all these diseases are springing out of. Oh my God. <laughs> and this yeah, is, um, <laughs> yeah, well, th this is what Texas Slim calls the, um, the medical pharmaceutical agricultural complex, right? Yeah. Because the incentives are also in line, um, aligned with um, with us remaining sick. So we just get bigger and grander subsidies for these uh, crops to be planted. Farmers get crippled uh, because the you know you end up with dust bowls uh, because these these not only are they toxic for humans, they're toxic for the soil too, right? Right. The, um, they're, they're, they're weeds. They're essentially weeds. They should be called weed oils. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. No, I, I mean, you have to strip like, so, so um, the total landmass in, on, in the whole world used to grow seed oils is about double the size of India. <laughs> it's like, it's an oh. insane amount of the, the earth's landmass is used, is just stripped to, to grow these seed oils. And yeah, like you're saying, I mean, you know, they just, Ozempic is the hot new thing, right? Like the injection that, you know, somehow makes you thin. I, I don't know the full science behind Ozempic, but like there's every incentive for the drug companies to try to get Ozempic like supported by health insurance, right? And once that happens, you know, you've got, you, you've closed the loop, right? Like you're saying this, um, the loop is essentially between like 
pharma advertising, right? Like, you know, they can just show there's a bunch of sick people at home. They show them commercials for Ozempic and they feed them seed oils, right? And you've closed the kind of extraction loop, right? Yep. And those people just kind of, you know, work their job and they live long enough to, you know, they're, they're, <laughs> we, we managed to keep them somehow alive, but, you know, so far from thriving. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it's absolutely a shame. I, I agree. And then um, you've got not only that, you've got this um, this kind of agenda against uh, you know natural red meat, and right. we've got to move away from that because, of course, you know eating red meat is bad for our cholesterol, and that's what gives us heart attacks. But hey, look, this soy burger is perfectly good for you. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Oh, sorry. Good. No, no, go ahead. I, I'll, I'll, I'll wait for you to riff on that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I was just going to say it, it was at least rewarding in the past year or so to see like beyond meets stock kind of plummet. Um, I think people do, uh, you know, there was like an initial run up where people were a little bit like enchanted by this new idea that these things might be good, but I think people and the market have sort of figured out that they're just crap. Um, that it's essentially like a, a, I don't know, like a dog biscuit of like garbage that they've made squishy somehow and sort of resemble the texture of a burger. I mean, yeah, they're it's a hyper processed food. Um, you know, just time and time again, like it's been proven that you can the more processed your food is, the longer the supply chain, and the more processing there is, the higher inflammation is in the body. Right? Um, red meat. Red meat is one of the only ways, um, at least in the United States, to break out of the like the corn and soy chain. <laughs> Essentially, like the way to think about food is even beyond seed oils, right? In the US, like it's really about breaking out of this corn and soy ecosystem, right? So that's not eating processed food, but unfortunately, it also is not eating what we refer to as, I'm sure you've heard this from Texas Slim, but it's like not eating monogastric animals uh, if they're fed a conventional diet, right? So pork that, or, you know, your bacon that's fed corn and soy is essentially is a little seed oil factory, right? It just takes that polyunsaturated fat from the soybeans and puts it directly into its body fat. So mm -hmm. the, the, like, if you get like um, a heritage, heritage pork from Europe that's fed only barley, its fat will be about 4% um, polyunsaturated fat, or what we could just call, you know, 4% seed oils, which is like normal for uh, a living organism, a mammal on earth, right? But uh, an American pig fed soy or, or corn will be 20%. Again, that like, you know, ratio that we're seeing in our own body tissue, right? So red meat, um, cows, goats, um, ruminant animals, anything that grazes on grass. Um, it's the only way to really break out of that chain because they have these multi-chambered stomachs, which can ferment, they ferment their food into a higher content, saturated fat content, right? So red meat's particularly important. And that's kind of why, um, you know, people in the U S have rallied so much around like this, you know, beef tallow specifically, as opposed to say like lard or duck fat, right. Um, mm -hmm. in Europe, the food is they feed things a little bit more it's like her, her, everything's a little bit more like done in a heritage way so it's it's not you can probably i'd be more apt to have bacon somewhere somewhere in in, in france than uh, than in the u.s but um yeah unfortunately no red meat's kind of uh the life raft <laughs> um here just you know I, I, in a in an ideal world we would we could all 
eat a greater variety of animals, but you're right. Um, and yeah, and you know, why they're trying to take, they kind of pin, they're trying to pin climate change on like mm -hmm. the emissions from animals and methane and stuff. And like, it's, it's clearly like, you know, it's not, it's not really the case just because like the, the total amount of like say bison in the U S right far up that, that in the U S that like in the 1800s far outnumber the amount of cows in the U S today. Right. Like, it's it's really about just the way that they're raised and the conventional diet they're fed, and um, the fact that you know that food is prop the cheap corn and soy as food is is propped up by these subsidies. So, yeah. And then it's, the it's, the other favorite the other favorite is the uh, the forests are being destroyed to um, clear for grazing land for animals. Right. Yeah. I mean that doesn't seem. I don't think that's really true at all. I I it seems like they'd be more apt to be cleared for like these seed oil crops and stuff exactly like that. that exactly yeah. that that's exactly what's going on in southeast asia that they're, they're declaring the uh it's just been an absolute disaster what happened there especially in uh malaysia um you know the the in borneo the the beautiful rainforests slashed and burned cleared completely and it wasn't to graze animals which you'd think okay if they want to be more self-sustainable with uh with meat in uh you know the southeastern asian regions then you could see why but no that's not at all it was to plant palm oil plantations you know from fence to fence like it's absolutely you you fly across malaysia you just look down there's one crop and that crop is palm oil it's yeah. just disgusting that's what the um the deforestation is truly being uh done for to to plant these monoculture crops that um are going to completely destroy the land over time uh and right. but then but then people will say ah well they're planting those for animal feed that's why we need to stop eating meat you're like what, yeah. what are you saying <laughs> yeah no i mean it's uh you know it's i i guess the the you know it feels like we're at a point where we're having these conversations and people are kind of um, seeing a light a bit, right? Like, you know, I've, it's been, it's been great seeing how many people have been excited about seed oil scout um, and how many people, you know, that I wouldn't really expect to, or are, are kind of waking up to this. And I think, you know, um, in the U S right, like the, the kind of big driving force we have is, is essentially, you know, it's capitalism, right. And capitalism kind of like, you know, it, it can make, cheap processed food but it can also if we all signal that we you know understand what's going on here and we don't want to eat these things right like i think uh potentially we could shift the tide back a bit right mm -hmm. um just the same way you know like the whole outrage around gluten um many, a lot of it i think was kind of uh maybe misguided right like celiac celiacs is a very real disease but um this idea that most people um, are like gluten sensitive is is a little bit questionable. Um, I, I think that more likely is that just the bread in the U.S. is like so you know sprayed with pesticides and just kind of stale and crappy, and a lot of it <laughs> contains seed oils. Um, anyway, but the, the the point is that like the gluten free movement, um, you know, is reflected on menus basically across you know throughout New York and yeah across right like like ch real change happened there um yeah. I, I, I i don't i don't know if like i don't know the full i should that's a good deep dive for me to maybe do to see if there were like any organizing bodies that were re really rallied to make that happen but um 
you know, it seemed pretty organic, right? Like from, from the outside. And I think, you know, I think with like, you know, again, like it's, you know, it's kind of like decentralized action, right? You can kind of um, signal to the broader market that there's an opening here for doing the right thing. Um, and th so I mean, the way we're kind of seeing this uh, in the U.S. is these uh, regional, there's a number of regional fast casual chains that have opened up that are, that are kind of taking like the flag, uh, they're <laughs> bearing up the uh, like no seed oils flag, right? They're, they're vocal about it. Mm. Um, say that there's like, so there's Springbone Kitchen in New York, there's Ziki in Austin, um, there's Aubergine Kitchen in Utah, uh, Florida has one called Naked Farmer. Um, and so, yeah, basically like there's a, there's a market opening here, right? Like Ziki in Austin, they're, they're probably the, the loudest and the most well-funded. Um, they make these like food trucks that, you know, they're, they're pink and yellow and they say like, you know, no seed oils, 100% grass-fed butter, like wrapped on the side. They have billboards around Austin saying like seed oils, seed oils suck. All right. Sorry for South by Southwest. They had one that said uh, the future is seed oil free. Right. So this type of action, you know, it's it, the, the optimism here is that I think like we're getting to a point where it's so obvious and painful that, you know, things like frankly, like me writing this app are happening, right? <laughs> um, so I'm I'm optimistic. I think, you know, we just have to keep voting with our wallets, being loud about it. And, you know, change change can happen, right? Like the, the if you create that market demand and signal mm -hmm. to companies that it's there, um, people will fill it, right? So, you know, it, it might cost you, you know, a dollar fifty more or something per meal, but that that's just kind of the price you have to pay to not be, you know, eating like, you know, food you'd feed a lab rat essentially. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I completely agree with you. It's happening very, very slowly. Uh, I, I've been beating the drum. Um, my brother has a, a cafe and I'm like, dude, please stop with the seed oil shit. You've got to yeah. stop because if you get ahead of this next trend and it will be a trend and there will be a cult like there was um, around the gluten-free stuff. Uh, people are all over that stuff now, you know? Um, and, right. and I'm like, if you get ahead of this, you could be really so far down the line when this trend picks up that you're attracting a whole new market, which is essentially what you could do as a restaurateur. Right. I mean, all the seed oil free spots, like whenever I go to a city in the US, right? Like I always check out like the couple seed oil free hotspots. Each city has at least a few. Um, usually it's like an independent spot that's like kind of casual. Like there's in Austin, there's Picnic um, is one of them. There's a couple more. There's some outside of Georgia. Um, but anyway, they're always they're always mobbed, <laughs> right? Like right. it's not like it's not like they're, uh, you know, they're, they're like people can tell. And the funny thing is that like a lot of people don't even uh, necessarily know that much about seed oils, but they just like they'll just be like, oh, I like the food there. Or, like I feel better after eating it. Right. Um I absolutely agree. It just, if your brother's like, if he's from the, or if he spent a lot of time in the restaurant industry, like they've just, you know, they it's, it's just such a war back there in the kitchens that they, they just don't, you know, they, they, it's just the standard and they're just, they don't think about it. Um, but absolutely. I agree. It's something you can definitely, um, you can definitely advertise now. People care. And I mean, I'm doing my best to kind of direct people to those restaurants, right? Like, cause a lot of times there's no real way for, people to discover it right like um it's not it, if you were without the app right like you, 
you there could be a place right next door to you that doesn't cook with seed oils and like you wouldn't really know right like it's it's just mm-hmm. it's just kind of hard to find so i think just like organizing people show uh, highlighting the good stuff um and pointing people to it is is important and you know it's it's you know all we you know you can't you know disrupt your whole life to fight this battle i mean some of it you know some people can but not everyone can right but like what you can do is just you know endorse the places near you that are good and you're not alone, right? There's you out there on Twitter. There's Seed Oil Disrespector. There's Really Tan Man. There's um, <laughs> Texas Slim. Uh, all doing um, all doing great things. And you, so, yeah, so no. shill your app. Uh, where where can people download it? Is is it only on Apple? Uh, no. So uh, Apple, uh, Android, and iOS. Um, mm-hmm. Either app store. It's called Seed Oil Scout. Um, so just three words. Um, you can find us on Instagram as Instagram's kind of like where the headquarters of the app, I'd say where I, you know, announce new features and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, post informational content. Um, I'm also on Twitter at CWL scout. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's everywhere we've got about, so there are about 70,000 scouts total. Um, I did a, I did a collaboration with carnivore MD, Paul Saladino, uh, in New York. That was a lot of fun. We, uh, we did a video at one of our, my favorite, uh, pseudo restaurant in New York called hearth. Um, it's very like by the book Tuscan cuisine. That's like very meat, meat forward. Um, and since then, uh, you know, I've had about 50,000 more scouts on the app, which is awesome. Right. So people are filing reports all over the country. Um, it's been, so it's, it's been great, you know, join, join in. You gotta, you gotta be like, like I say, you know, if there's nothing in your town, uh, you kind of got to be the change you want to see, right? Mm-hmm. So um, the app has some tools to make that easier. Um, I call it the auto mailer, but essentially um, the way the app works is it, you, as you search, you search for a new restaurant, right? And the app will automatically scan their entire website for an email address. Um, if it finds it in one tap, you can send them like our template email that essentially says like, hey, I'm allergic to all these seed oils, but I'm okay with these natural fats. Um, what you know, is there anything I should avoid on the menu? Like, what are my, what are my good options? Right. It's a, the email seems to be worded in a very effective way that they, they generally answer with everything you'd want to know. And then you come back in the app. Once they answer, you uh, fill out a report, uh, you post a screenshot, and then it's on the map for everyone to see with its seed oil safety rating. Um, and you can kind of tell by the color uh, of the, the marker icon, if it's good or bad. Um, so, yeah, so that's that's kind of the, you know, that's what's been humming along for the app's been live for about seven months or so. We have like, I think, like uh, nearing like 4000 reports in the U.S. So pretty much every city in the United States has some green options on the map, like even even smaller cities. But like L.A., New York, Austin are, are totally uh, like very well covered. Uh, New York, we have hundreds of you know reports, good, good and bad. Um, so yeah, it's exciting. It's definitely, I mean, if you, if, if you, if this is something you care about in your diet and I think you should, it's, it's kind of, um, it's hard to imagine not having it, especially when you travel. Um, that's what people have told me. And personally I am finding, right. It's like, you kind of know how to feed yourself in your, your home city, but like, if you go to a new city, it's, it can be tough to just figure out where those couple good spots are. So it's been helpful for that for sure. So what? Um, let, let's leave the listeners with some actionable points that they can change, just by literally walking into their kitchen and throwing out some <laughs> shit. 
in the uh, in the cupboard and just literally throw that shit out don't just like think oh yeah i'll just use this up and um you know i'll never buy it again why would you do that like that's poisonous toxic shit it's got to go so what where can they look Where, where is the the most obvious and where is the most insidious yeah definitely so uh i would start with i mean First, you got like the the pan sprays, like the nonstick vegetable oil sprays. That's obvious, kind of a- anything that's any clear neutral oil that you're putting on your food, right? So that's that's one thing. So Pam or any type of pan spray like that, you got to got to dump it. Um, the next would be obviously like any just bottles of seed oil, canola oil, grapeseed, sunflower. Again, I, I don't care if it's organic and GMO or whatever. Like it's the same crap. Um, then from there, the getting more subtle is unfortunately basically every mayo <laughs> that you can buy in a store. Um, take a look at the label. I'm almost certain it's soybean or canola oil, including Hellman's olive oil mayo. Uh, they make their olive oil mayo with soybean oil um, <laughs> and a dash of olive oil. Um, Amazing. Yeah, it's insane. Uh, so yeah, mayo, you got to ditch it. Um uh, yeah, mayo is a tough one. It's you kind of got to, you know, go out of the way to find uh, some made with olive oil or something like that. You just make, make your, your own. own, brother. It's yeah, make so easy. It's so yeah, easy. It's Any listeners, it's just one egg and some olive oil and a stick blender and just blend until it's thick. Right. And it's delicious. Yeah. No, and use really nice. good olive oil. Don't use yes. the shit stuff. It'll taste way better. Yeah. I mean, we, we haven't got into the whole olive oil integrity stuff, but yeah, extra virgin, good stuff. Um, so yeah, ditch that. Any olive oil blends, blended olive oil you want to get rid of. Uh, pomace oil, that's this real crappy type of olive oil that's basically made from the pits of olives. You want to get rid of that too. Um, and then just, I mean, you got to be any processed food, frankly, like any snacks or, you know, cereal breakfast bars or anything that's kind of like in a fun package with marketing on it, you should be suspicious of. Um, any breakfast cereals would, too right packed full of yeah it. definitely yeah 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 i mean breakfast even the healthy is, mueslis yep yeah yeah they cut they coated in sunflower oil to make things like stick to the outside of it essentially um yeah almost all of it it's it's pretty if if you once if you're new to this and you start looking for it you'll be shocked it's literally mm-hmm. it coats kind of everything <laughs> everything you've ever loved uh unfortunately so yeah i mean i i encourage everyone to just you know kind of eat whole foods and like, like a human should eat, right? It's, you know, it can be slightly less convenient, but it, you're going to feel so much better that it's, it's absolutely worth it. Um, you know? Yeah. So, so the, the oils, um, let, let's talk about then if you're going to restock, um, you, you want a high grade quality olive oil. Do, do you want to deep dive on that quickly? I know we're running out of time, but uh, what, what should yeah, people, yeah. I, I want to leave them with some actionable points um, what totally. are the oils that are, you know, very acceptable? Right. Um, so, you know, there's this issue of smoke point, which uh, smoke point essentially means like at what temperature did the organic, like the non-fat molecules start to burn out of the oil, right? So uh, extra virgin olive oil and like grass-fed butter have a slightly lower smoke point because they have all these good like... Um, uh, like just organic compounds like polyphenols and um, vitamin E and stuff that that are in them that are more fragile than the fat itself, right? So 
Some people don't like to cook at high heat with extra virgin olive oil, but I think, you know, most Mediterranean nations like um, Spain and Greece and stuff, they only use extra virgin olive oil, even for all kinds of cooking. So I think it's fine. Um, so high grade extra virgin olive oil, right? Uh, ideally, it's in a glass bottle that's opaque. Um, plastic can leach into the, the oil, which isn't great, um, but also sunlight can kind of break down the olive oil. So you, you, you want to kind of, you know, I, ideally it doesn't have to say organic, but ideal, the best olive oils, extra virgin olive oils are usually from like a single estate somewhere in Greece. And that's usually made clear. And you can tell they should have, it should say extra virgin olive oil, which means it's like the first cold pressing. It's never been heated or anything. And, uh, it, it should have the harvest date on the back. So if you're at the supermarket, like the, the closest harvest date would be best if you can find that. Um, so yeah. High quality extra virgin olive oil, high quality grass fed butter. Ghee is essentially um, grass fed butter with the uh, like the organic stuff simmered off already, right? So it's clar clarified butter, right? So that has a higher smoke point. Um, that's also a great option, right? Uh, you know, beef tallow is kind of the king if you can find it. Grass fed mm -hmm. beef tallow is awesome. The reason the emphasis that the emphasis on grass fed is. Um, because grass-fed fat, grass fats from grass-fed beef have a higher percentage of this um, type of saturated fat called stearic acid, which is like the um, the most stable type of fat, and it's it's really the healthiest. Um, it's it's been shown time and time again to be more healthier than the other kinds of saturated fat that are in like coconut oil and palm oil. So um, yeah, beef tallow. I mean, it's not really that hard to get beef tallow if you have a butcher a grass-fed butcher ask them for beef tallow they they almost certainly have it and it's not that expensive at all um and you can you know just keep it in the fridge and use it like butter um it tastes amazing you can fry stuff in it um it's a great option um and then so like avocado oil uh, i i don't really recommend because in the u.s like it's all coming from mexico and it's been tested and analyzed time and time again to have even more fraud than olive oil, which means they'll just like fake it and swap it out for seed oils. Essentially, um, the cartels kind of control the supply chain. It's not to say there's not some good avocado oil, right? UC Davis did a big study. They tested 22 brands. Um, Chosen Foods, which is a big brand that's in a lot of U.S. supermarkets, was was good. But like, I think 21 out of the other 20 out of the other 22 were bad. So Chosen Foods is a good good option. They make a mayo as well. Um, so yeah, avocado, be careful with avocado, but yeah, extra virgin olive oil, grass-fed butter, tallow, those are going to be the the top, my top recommendations. Um, you know, there's some other long tail oils that could be good or could be bad. Um, you know, it's debatable if you, you know, cold drizzle a little sesame oil on a, an Asian dish, it's not going to kill you because it's, you know, it's it doesn't go through all those harsh chemical processes. It's still high in polyunsaturated fat, but I just wouldn't make it a staple of your diet, but mm -hmm. you know, once in a while, it, I, I I try not to stress people out over it too much. But yeah, that's kind of that. That those are the core fats, I'd say. All right, brother. Well, that's I mean, a great rip. Um, thank <laughs> you, thank you for everything that you're doing. Thanks for coming on. Um, I don't I don't know where you stand on Bitcoin. I have no idea. Have you uh, are you in the rabbit hole? Peaked at it? What, what what's what's that journey for you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've actually been kind of inter interacting with Bitcoin on and off for a very long time, like back when I was in college, like 10 years ago or so, I, I was playing around with it. Um, 
I'm yeah, I'm definitely a big holder of Bitcoin. Um, I like I said, like one of the core communities that I was participating in online that kind of got me into this like down this rabbit hole of seed oils was was Bitcoin. Um, you know, I'm you know, I've <laughs> I've read the book The Sovereign Individual. I I pretty much yeah, I'm I'm a I'm a supporter and a holder. Uh, you know, I I I had a Bitcoin donation address in the app and <laughs> uh Apple made me pull it. Um, oh, damn. but yeah, I mean, you know, I'm kind of, I have to appeal to a lot of people, um, with this app, right? Like 60% of my followers on Instagram are like, are women and they're, they're like girls from LA that just go to yoga class and stuff. So like, I I'm not so loud and proud about Bitcoin, but I think as the platform grows, I can, you know, find more time to talk about it and kind of absolutely spread, spread the gospel. We need more but, women um, in Bitcoin. You can start orange <laughs> pilling them via your Instagram. <laughs> exactly. I will. It's I, I I'll I'll definitely get to I'll sneak in I'll sneak it into the app a little a little bit of a announcement or I you know I was talking about finding ways that I can facilitate Bitcoin payments to restaurants and stuff. Um that'll definitely be on the roadmap at some point. Um yeah, yeah I'm that that's that's all solved, man. Um there's um Oshi app in uh, in Texas. Uh, which helps restaurants uh, just plug straight into accepting Bitcoin. So if um, if you get in touch with those guys or if you want an introduction, uh, there's definitely a way because they're a restaurant app, right? So if we can seed oil pill these guys through right. the, um, the 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 Bitcoin work that's already been done down there, then uh, yeah, reach out to Texas Slim. He'll be able to uh, plug you right in. Okay, sweet. Yeah, yeah. I'll get going on that. Awesome. Excellent. All right. Well, uh, I usually end with uh, one final question. So that would be, um, let's keep it seed oil. If you had one seed oil pill left to give to somebody, who would you give it to and why? I.e., you give the magic pill to that person. They understand <laughs> everything about seed oils that you do, and they're going to go make the change. Hmm. I mean, with the U.S. presidential elections coming up, it would be it would be good to have it uh featured in the debates you know uh yeah you know let's see there's uh, i'd want it you know someone with the biggest platform possible um obviously you know i uh you know who else would be good i i, I i'm gonna just go with elon musk i'd probably see to all pill him you know he's got the he's got twitter he controls the twitter dials if mm. he if he started really banging the drum so i mean we've already got rogan rogan hates seed oils as much as anyone possibly could he's doing he's doing he's fighting the good fight so i'm gonna say elon if elon unfortunately drinks a lot of diet coke so i'm not hopeful but uh oh. i'm i would like to see to pill elon so that mars so that the fast food on mars is is a uh, fried beef tallow <laughs> doesn't that undermine the idea of him being a genius that he drinks diet coke <sighs> he doesn't seem i i mean my theory is that he's gonna have a really bad wake up call with his health at some point, And he's going to like flip completely the other way. Cause he worked, you know, the guy's working like whatever, like a hundred hours a week and he just driving his body into the ground. And like, at some point you, you break <laughs> and it's going to be very scary. Um, you know, he's not a young man and you're not going to get to Mars if you're dead. So, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think he's on Ozempic and all these pharmaceuticals, but I, I don't know. Oh. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, I support the, I love SpaceX, but yeah, I just, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. We'll, we'll see. It's, it's tough. I, I'm with you. It's, it, it's not very smart, but 
some of these people just they kind of live in a virtual world right and they again they they can keep kicking the tires and taking more you know vivance and adderall and get to work but it's uh it's not it's not good <laughs> no not good at all all right, man. Well, thank you for coming on. And if anybody wants to reach out, uh, I'll uh, send them towards your Twitter and they can yep. uh, get up in your DMs. And um, hopefully, you, you know, if, if there's anything else you need uh, from the community, just reach out and, and I can uh, put out an ask and um, we, we can help you spread this message, brother. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me on. No problem, man. Take care. Have a good day. You too. Well, there you go, guys. If you weren't down the seed oil rabbit hole already, uh, you probably will be after this one and making note uh, as you go. Everything you pick up off the supermarket shelf, stay out of the aisles, number one, right? That's the golden rule. Stay out of the aisles. Just get to your fresh produce, whether that's meat, fruit and vegetables, or cheese. Just, Just get to those areas. Uh, stay out of anything that is boxed or if you're picking up jarred sauces or anything like that be really really careful to read what is in these ingredients because you can bet nine times out of ten it's gonna have either soybean oil in there or canola or as it's called in uh, the UK rapeseed oil and uh, yeah your old friend sunflower oil which looks all so innocent at the moment where I live in France we drive around looks wonderful right fields of beautiful sunflowers i mean just monocrop dog shit at the end of the day that land could be put to so much better use instead it's being stripped of its nutrients by weeds such as rapeseed which is literally a weed and as modern tea man texas slim taught us that was actually banned for human consumption canola oil was banned for human consumption back in the 40s or 50s i can't remember exactly when uh, but uh, yeah, you know, now it's fine. Now it's fine. Hmm. Seem legit? Why do you think we're all overweight, sick, diabetic, got Alzheimer's, having heart disease? Yeah, of course, it's the climate. Yeah, it's too much red meat. We've been gaslit. Every freaking step of the way, we've been gaslit. From the minute we were born to the day they want us to die early from one of their forced induced diseases and by using the drugs that they want us to use just to keep us barely alive like this isn't a freaking conspiracy it's so obvious all you have to do is scratch the surface if you've not listened to my episodes with modern team man texas slim we did three-part series on this when he first burst onto the scene about two years ago about the medical pharmaceutical agricultural complex and how this whole wheel just keeps spinning. And guess what? It means bad health for you, bad skin, bad eyesight, bad um, libido, a lot of it, all of it. So check it out and um, carry on down this rabbit hole of uh, how our food has been engineered against us rather than for us. With that said, Going to close out this episode. Quick shill to the sponsors, as usual. Swan, Relay, Hoddle Hoddle, Coin Corner, thank you for providing stacking options. Wasabi, thank you for providing privacy options. Uh, Bitbox, thank you for the cold storage option here. 
Mempool Space, thank you for the education and building the visualization of the blockchain. Consensus Network, thank you for hosting the, uh, the video version of this podcast. And thank you for all of the books in all of those languages. And thank you, OPA, Orange Pill App, for connecting us. Catch you on the next show, guys.